Welcome everyone to today's inquiry. <clears throat> I'd like to remind uh, people, if you're not aware of a resource, uh, which is very useful on the Appamata website, appamata.org. Um, there is a page in which you can download a PDF of our chant book, which has different verses that we use. And we use two of them in these sessions. And if you're unfamiliar with them, uh, this would be a way to, to discover them and uh, to have a copy so that you can uh, join in and chant with us uh, and, and learn them. They're, they're wonderful, compact teachings to have with you. So we'll begin our are sitting now. just these few minutes of our initial sitting. If you're interested, I would offer myself and invite you to engage in the practice that we call being with. It's a simple practice of uh, sitting in your usual zazen, upright stillness, silence and as curiosity arises you can open your eyes and since i'm the only one on the screen just take a look at my image and notice what happens in you not so much an investigation of me but what happens when you meet this image of this person and then close your eyes and Rest inside with whatever has arisen and note what's there. And whatever has arisen, when it subsides, you could just have a little blink, a little glimpse again, very briefly. No need to stare, just as an experiment of what it's like simply to be with another, even through this medium, without much content. Just exploring your own capacity for being with. And before I sound the bell to end this brief initial period of meditation, just notice any impact this simple practice of being with might have had in your in your body, in your heart, in your mind. Vast is the robe of liberation a formless field of benefaction. 
wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction, wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction, wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. This essence of um, being and being with is what I wanted to reflect on today with our time together. We've spent um, a good amount of time, most of us, I think, these days, um, engaged in trying to, to do something. And I wanted to just step back for a moment into the simplicity of, of being and, and reflect on it as, as, the, as the very center of our practice. And I received a gift the other day that I want to share with you. Um, my dear friend, Bronwyn Cook, who's one of my neighbors, uh, an old friend. Uh, she's the programming director for Hui Holana, the uh, living sanctuary. A retreat where we have taught for, gosh, I've been coming here for more than 20 years before we moved here. And the, the background of this gift, um, uh, Bronwyn, in the days when we could travel, uh, went on a walking journey, pilgrimage, with um, David White and John O'Donohue in Ireland. And during that time, it was obviously when John O'Donohue was still living, uh, the great Irish Celtic poet and mystic and wonderful, wonderful writer. Uh, I don't know all the details, but I know that she returned with a piece of, little piece of paper tucked into her copy of Anamkara. And it was a poem that John was working on, an unpublished poem. And he jotted on the piece of paper that I'd seen uh, for Bronwyn in love, it was given to a friend. And the title was curious to me. It's M-I-T a dash S-E-I-N, Mitzien. <clears throat> so I looked it up, like it, uh, it's, a, it's a noun that comes from old Germanic and uh, some old languages, which usually just means um, how human existence is constituted by relationship and community with others, being with, mitzian, being with. So here's the, the John O'Donohue poem, an unpublished piece. Sometimes it's enough to be here wordlessly, 
without gesture, without thought, without touch, utterly illegible. With time, with solitude, with clear eyes, with a heart like a shell that can hear the sea just to be here, sometimes that is enough. Sometimes it is enough to be here. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's enough just to be here with each other. I would say it's necessary, but not sufficient. How many of us long to be closer, to be in contact? But sometimes just it's enough just to be here. Without gesture, without thought, without touch, utterly illegible. When we sit in the zendo, in silence and stillness, very close to each other, when we could do that, or we sit facing a screen with intimacy of faces, we settle into pure awareness, primary awareness, emptiness. Like in the Heart Sutra, when we chant no eyes, no ears, no nose, no tongue, no body, no mind. It's not a suggestion that those things aren't there, that, that the foundation of what we rest back into is empty of all of those things that we tend to rely on to construct our reality and ourself. The primary simplicity of being, sometimes it's enough. Then the poem goes on with time, with solitude, with clear eyes. Our eye of wisdom and compassion opens through practice over time, usually in the quiet, with time, with solitude, with clear eyes, with a heart like a shell that can hear the sea. And that analogy is so interesting, with a heart like a shell that can hear the sea, Often, we think of a shell in which you can hear the sea, but like a shell that can hear the sea. Like a shell that can remember from whence it came, its deepest root. And as we touch that which is deepest, we can hear it. We can know it. We can be more in tune with it. And then sometimes, just to be here, sometimes that is enough. To be here, to be with. One more time, all the way through. Sometimes it is enough to be here. Wordlessly, without gesture, without thought, without touch. Utterly illegible. With time, with solitude, with clear eyes, with a heart like a shell that can hear the sea, just to be here sometimes, that is enough. Sometimes, sometimes, it does seem necessary, but not sufficient. 
I was imagining this group of a small band of people walking through the countryside in Ireland, through the sunny days, through the rain, in the cool winds, in solitude and silence, and what that being with must have been like in the land. I don't know about you, but sometimes I can feel worn down these days by doing and trying to try to hold together what can't be held together as I kind of struggle against the reality of impermanence, of interdependence, as I watch things move, change. This ever-changing contingent world where we're always looking for solid ground beneath our feet and predictable outcomes which match our hopes and our dreams. These things are being dashed pretty regularly. And sometimes they're around, as I spoke last time, around climate, around politics, around um, racial issues. There are a number of them that are, that are powerful in these waves. And then every once in a while, something so personal happens that it seems like it's too much like the death of Justice Ginsburg. Something tips the scale. And one thing to remember, we're awash in media, which never really lets us catch our breath, our emotional breath, our spiritual breath. We see and feel the impact of everything happening all around the world as it's happening in real time and we are not animals made for that experience. We are highly empathic, wired for threat, and this way in which we're met with this tsunami of information and images and data coming in from around the world is not livable. So our activity that we're called to, to change things, to do things, to respond is necessary. The call to action is necessary, but not sufficient. On the other hand, do you feel as if you're kind of wilting? We haven't had much rain here, so my plants are wilting with so little being with because the reduction in everyday nourishment because of the pandemic prevents us from being in as close contact as we're used to, even if it's just built in with ordinary things like going to the grocery store, talking to the checkout person, ordinary things. So we have less and less of a buffer because we have less and less nourishment. The kind of nourishment that is purely malium, the kind of that needs touch and closeness, the feel and smell of another. We have these marvelous ways of connecting, and thank goodness we have them, or we wouldn't be doing this. But as many of you have heard me say, <clears throat> a text message is not a whisper in your ear. A tweet isn't a kiss on your cheek. And a Facebook friends request is not a warm outstretched hand. These things are not embodied. 
And then we sit. And do you ever have the sense that if you're just sitting, that you're not doing enough? Why am I just sitting here? Or the kind of depressing despair that can rise as you sit, that maybe the sitting might be useless when so much is going on, we're pulled so strongly. Yet our zazen, our being, is necessary. It's just not sufficient. So we have these two sides, activity and non-activity. Responsiveness and sitting, each necessary, but not sufficient. And just as a reminder, the form of our practice of Soto Zen, just that particular form, out of which uh, Apamada arises, is the practice of being with. We're actively engaged in our life, in our practice. And each aspect of Zendo practice, when we're actually together, is dependent on every other piece with no striving for an outcome. Nothing is produced. The engagement, the wholehearted engagement is the act of practice. Mostly done in silence, with the respectful stillness, with a careful attention to moving and responding in harmony with others and with the forms and ceremonies of practice. And if you've not been engaged in this kind of practice, this is what I mean. We, we enter the space of our meditation hall, the Zendo, in a certain way and take our seats in a ceremonial manner. There are times in which we bow and walk in a certain way so we can be with that moment in a kind of stillness and silence, even as we move. We listen for bells, for clappers, which signal important transitions. So we're attentive and awake, responsive. We watch for other people when they offer a bow so we can respond to their bowing. We listen to the chanting and offer our voices in harmony to become one voice and feel this sense of one heart and one mind. Sometimes we work side by side in the zendo or in the temple, in the kitchen, out of the gardens, to support the container. And we do so mostly silently, but with diligent effort. And at the end of a retreat, for example, a long silent retreat, or even in just a small daily practice cycle in the morning or evening, nothing has been produced. Nothing's repaired, created, or destroyed. Things have been cared for by being with. Being is necessary, but not sufficient. Activity and responsiveness is necessary, but not sufficient. And the bridge is with the connection. There's one last little story I just wanted to, to add, um, which I, I won't go into in its fullness, but it's from a, a sutra called the Udana. And there's a, a monk, Magia, who's with the Buddha. And he decides that he would love to sit in this beautiful grove of trees uh, on his own and, and practice because it's so, so lovely. And the Buddha says, well, maybe, maybe you should stay with us and, and practice with us. 
but this young man just keeps imploring and bothering the Buddha. He just knows it's going to be better. And finally, the Buddha says, okay, give it a try. And come back and tell me what happens. So Magiya goes to his special little grove. He sits, he practices, and a while later, he comes back to the Buddha and says, I can't believe it. I've practiced a long time. I've taken vows. I'm very well trained. And when I was sitting, basically, he didn't say this in the sutra exactly, but he gave a more classical definition of being, I felt crazy. I was assailed by all kinds of thoughts. And there, some were violent, some were erotic, just chaotic. It was very strange. I'm amazed that a mind can do that. And the, the Buddha said, well, in someone whose awareness release is still immature, that was a line, awareness release is still immature, Th these qualities bring it to maturity. So he didn't say that Udana had done, excuse me, Megiya had done something wrong. He said, great experiment. Notice what happens when you're just with yourself and what it's like when you come back and practice with us. He said, here are the five things which support are released from unskillful thoughts and which encourage maturing along the path. One, intimacy with good friends. Two, virtuous and ethical conduct, the precepts, basically. Three, frequent conversations which inspire and encourage wholesome practice engagement, which holds us up and supports us and keeps us moving. Four, diligence, energy, enthusiasm for the good. That's part of our precepts, being to live and be lived for the benefit of all beings in the paramita of diligence and effort. And five, insight into impermanence, understanding that everything changes. And then in the sutra, he does a very interesting thing. The Buddha goes back through them and says, you know, Intimacy with good friends is the first one. But if you want to have number two, virtuous and ethical conduct, it's great to have good friends because they can encourage you and help you and let you know if maybe you're off and you can check with them if we're not in line, but we can support each other in our virtuous and ethical conduct in the world. And number three, frequent conversations which inspire and encourage this kind of practice. It's great to have good friends with whom you can have these kinds of conversations. And number four, diligence, enthusiasm for the good. This is a, the fruit of this kind of friendship and these kinds of conversations. So having good friends is really supporting this and insight into impermanence. If you're going to face this challenge of understanding that everything is impermanent and contingent, it's great to have good friends to whom you can hold on and support you as you face this challenging reality of life. So basically he said, everything that frees us matures through good friends with whom we can be and practice in these ways that sometimes appear like we're not doing much. And yet it's a crucial, crucial activity and that the practice is the act of engagement. But that engagement is only clear, only generous, only 
wholesome and sometimes wholehearted when we're with. So we're working with uh, activity, our responsiveness, which is appropriate and wholesome, and our simple intimacy with ourselves and with each moment. And sometimes it's enough just to be here, sometimes. Without gesture, without thought, without touch, utterly illegible. With time, with solitude, with clear eyes, with a heart like a shell that can hear the sea, just to be here, sometimes that is enough. And in the face of the unimaginable, which we've been facing recently on so many fronts, the capacity to just, just be here with each other is really essential. That we're not thrown off, pulled about, awash in the news, wringing our hands just to be together is enough. And in some ways, this being together and what the Buddha was describing in these qualities is in some ways a description of inquiry, what we're doing now. And you're raising your hand now uh, invites a further being with so that we can engage in wholesome conversations, energetically connect and support each other, face the impermanence, all the things that the Buddha said because we have good friendships. So please uh, come forward if you, if you like, and we can engage uh, a little more directly. I long for the day in which I'd sit in that chair in Appamata and someone would take a moment to walk to the chair and sit down and then put the microphone on them so we could hear. And sometimes we just hold hands just to connect. Hi, Bridget. Hi, Flint. It's good to be with you. Well, this um, the subject is very apropos. Um, we're, we're just weeks away from my son's wedding, and I'm experiencing a certain amount of both exhilaration and fear. Um, because, as you know, my family has some complex characteristics, as most families do, mm -hmm. some of whom don't speak to the other, but they're all going to come and I'm assuming they are all going to use our very best manners, at least until they're all used up. So <laughs> I wanted your, your thoughts about being with, for instance, I just had a call with my sister. They've, for those people who had a family member die and you know, my late husband died. So my son wants me to have a picture of my late husband to put on this table where they're going to show other members of the family who are deceased, who are biologically. Oh. So I asked for my sister to help me with this because I don't have any individual portraits of my husband. They were always group shots, but they're also copyrighted. And she argued with me about, well, just take the picture and have it copied. And I said, well, Ellen, this is copyright material. So I would like it. And she wanted to argue. And these are the kind of little things I don't want to be accepting her invitation to argue. What practical advice can you give me to be with my sister in an appropriate way, but not go into the arguments. 
get somebody else to help you. <laughs> if she knew the name of the photographer that photographed her wedding in 1998. So, right. and I've been trying to find him on, online, but I kept getting a different one. So anyway, her husband was kind enough to text it to me, but I can just see all of this happening. I'm going to have to be with them for four whole days. Well, you know, my, this is, um, this is where it's useful to know Aikido. Okay. And I think you probably understand that some of the essence of that martial art is rather than trying to push back against the energy that comes out, you use it. Okay. But without it uh, damaging you. All right. So if she, I'm just going to use this as an example. She comes to you and said, well, you know, those, we can't, but, but she has all her objections. Right. Then you say, you know, I hadn't thought about that. That's very astute of you. Let me see what else I can do. But thank you. Okay. Well, that's uh, what I Thank need. her for what she offers instead of pushing back about what she didn't offer. Okay. And then find another way to do what you need to do. It's not, not about trying to undermine her. It's just okay. she has something in the way. Okay. But it's always helpful when people come to us with things that are shocking like that to find a place of contact, even if you disagree. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's that a wonderful line that's been quoted very much recently uh, from Ruth Bader Ginsburg, the, the line about leadership where she says, fight for the things that you care about, but do it in a way that will lead others to join you. Oh. Fight for the things that you care about. These are our two sides. Mm -hmm. Act, but do it in a way that leads others to join you that doesn't separate and polarize. So the fight bit, I don't know, but she's in a legal situation. <laughs> so you move toward what you hope you can accomplish, mm -hmm. but do it in such a way that people are drawn closer, not pushed away further. Okay. And so if you're always thinking, how can I use this as an opportunity uh, for the other person to feel understood right. instead of for me just to get what I want. Okay. That's we, very good advice. And I'm uh, earning every one of these white hairs. So yeah. <laughs> thank you. Well, we secretly, you know, long for individual rewards from practice that can actually only blossom in relationships. So she's giving you an opportunity. Oh, I knew that. And yeah. I just, but I'm not as skilled. And that's why I'm, well, I asked. Sometimes it's the being silent. I just wanted to add this. And it's what I call, and you're old enough to understand the reference. And I don't mean old, but you have, I would say it's my Margaret Mead approach. All right. So you know who she was, of course. Oh, yeah, it's a wonderful anthropologist. anthropologist. You know, wonderful. So the Margaret Mead approach is you go into the wedding knowing that most of the tribe you don't know, and they have these strange customs. And so you're going to watch them and observe these strange people doing these strange things and be curious about their customs and the odd things that they do. And so if you go in with this sort of curiosity instead of this is how it should be and I know they're going to be that way and you know she didn't go into a culture with some judgments and how they should be. She went in with an open mind and open heart saying I wonder what these people do and how it is and how it makes sense to them. So it's a little exaggerated but it, it's, it's useful. It is and that so, is a good approach because then I'll just use my observational skills and I won't react. I'll just notice. Yeah. Including observational skills about when you do react. All right. 
because yeah. you will sometimes you get triggered and you go oh it, isn't it interesting when they do this thing i have a reaction because that's part of my culture well that's why i'm still using peg's learning record form when yeah. todd bankler told me that he has continued to use it and every once in a while you just keep a three ring notebook of blanks and add it in and 24 yeah. hours and that's a great tool and I haven't been using it recently so thanks more okay. well things go well I'm sure they will they'll go <laughs> whatever they'll happens thank they'll be you. married <laughs> good thank you thank you as we wait in between each person as they come on hi Joan hi Bill you're still muted you'll need to unmute your microphone now There you go. You did it. After listening to Bridget, I maybe lost my train of thought. <clears throat> That's okay. I was I'll say something while you're thinking, which is in the in those gaps between when one person leaves and it takes a moment for the next person to connect. That's our moments of zazen where we're sitting wordlessly in stillness waiting it's not nothing it's it's something well in that moment and even before i just feel that i'm tired and uh, so much time alone yeah i don't have a feeling of community in fact i want to tell something to my neighbor i could lean out the window and say it to them but i don't know when i'm going to get the energy to walk over and give them this book yeah <laughs> You know, just used to being isolated and enjoying that a lot too, mm -hmm. covering things that I wouldn't have time for otherwise. Yeah, it means the community well, part. I'm not sure where I am. Well, there's an imbalance because we're we're used to having challenges that come and go, mm -hmm. and we have connections and nourishment and relationships, and that's mm -hmm. really nice. But suddenly, the challenges seem to have gone up, 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 up. And the nourishment of interpersonal connections going down, 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 down. And that gap mm -hmm. is suffering. Mm -hmm. I've also been um, pleased and surprised at some of the things that have come along that have come into my life. And as they're part of, they're part of the Sangha. Uh, Sandra has the Qigong class. Mm -hmm. And I shared some of my concerns about how I can't do this and that, and other people offer things. It's just, a, you know, everybody's there together, and that's such a delight. And including you, and yeah, uh -huh. you do it your way. Yeah. And our group, our, we, the one I'm in with you is like that too. Yeah. So there are those things, but they're not my traditional Zen no. outlets or inlets or whatever. Uh, if I ask you to engage in a small practice right now, would you be willing to consider it? Yes, I would. Here's the, here's the practice I, I would benefit from, and I think other people would. Could you uh, lean over and put your arm around Bill? Pull him in close. And now I feel the nourishment because I can see it. Mm -hmm. I know Bill probably can't hear. Can you hear? Yeah, he can. A little bit, okay. Mm -hmm. But just to see the two of you close, it's very mm -hmm. touching. Yeah. 
because you get to be together, that's good, in these precious days that you have. Mm -hmm. And so much is not there. I know you watch your grandchild on the screen and mm -hmm. that's dear, but so thank you for offering us that warmth. Well, that's what we know we have. We wake up in the morning and stay in bed and laugh and talk. Hold yeah. Yep. <laughs> that's some of the best time. It's sort of like, hooray, we have this. That's right. Not everybody does. So, and it's, it's good to see both of your faces today. And part of what I have to do is apologize. Uh, I have more of the things of just filling in the gaps with things that need to get done. And I run out of patience. Sometimes I just want to lie down and read a book. Do. You yeah. need a break. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't do it gracefully, let's say. I don't know how to do it gracefully. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize at Milson, that's okay. Well, you know, Aaron has to keep reminding me of this too, because I'm an active sort like you are. So uh, he says, just, just rest, just take a nap, just be here. So I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. Thanks, Joan. Thank you. Good to see you, Bill. Good to see you. Mm -hmm. Looking for that unmute button. There you go. Exactly. Hi, Flint. Hi. Nice to see you. And um, I wanted to go back to um, the first practice that you gave us today of the being with, yes. which completely overwhelmed me. It's strong medicine, isn't it? Just to sit and be with a person. It really is. And then um, when you asked Joan to put her arm around Bill, it was like, I had just been composing myself. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I got teary on that one, definitely. Yeah. And um, I don't have a question, but um, something I, I thought about this morning, um, I was listening to classical music on the radio, and the announcer in between the selection said, my name is, her name is um, Annie Bergen, and um, my email address is this. And if you'd like to write to me, um, especially about what you're looking forward to in the fall. And I thought, oh, looking forward, <laughs> that whole concept had escaped me and everything that was going on. And then my next thought was, oh yeah, I'd like to go see the leaves turn up here in the north. And then I was like a little kid, but I want to do it with my friends. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, I realized I can, I can take more day trips by myself. But anyway, that kind of you know, openness of, of the radio announcer was really that there was is very moving. We've sort of the brightness of the future is kind of dimmed. And so we have to turn that back up a little bit and we need each other. That's the energy and the enthusiasm, the number four one that keeps us keeps us going together. Yeah. And and I also thought, you know, the um the quarantine has made us fearful of being out. And that has kept us fearful of being in nature too. Well, which I was we need some. I was saying to someone the other day, the thing that we most long for, like when you saw Joan hug Bill, we long for that. And now the other is dangerous. Exactly. And that's exactly. a weird thing in our bodies month after month. 
Yes. To where the other, which is the source of nourishment, suddenly somehow becomes dangerous, even at an unconscious level. And we can turn that around, but it's, it just is a little odd thing that's happening. Absolutely. It's becoming a norm, like in the elevator. You're just, you know, you have the response. Yeah. I, I wanted to say thank you for your link to the beautiful art piece. Oh, you're welcome. It was gorgeous. Yes. And just very meditative. Thank you for that. Yes, you're welcome. Yes. Very welcome. Thank you. Good to see you. Good to see you too. Glad, glad we touched you. Hello. Sheila. Got it. Well, the, I think the first time I raised my hand, it was about my tendency to cry and weep lately. And it's still there. And I don't remember if it was you or some one other of my wonderful teachers that said, it's compassion, mm -hmm. you know, at least partly. I mean, and I realized when I want, I really, the reason I raised my hand today was just to say that I burst into tears when she put her arm around Bill. And I was glad to hear that you had a tear and that Rosemary had that yeah. too. Very, very dear. That, you know. <laughs> Okay. I'm so sorry. Now, I realize that some of my tears are self-pity, and that's okay, too, because it's compassion for myself, too. That's right. And you can be compassionate for the one who feels self-pity. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a mixed bag, because when you see, for example, a couple that's been together for many, many years, and later in their years like those two, you feel the, the dearness of it. And so if you don't have it, you can feel that loss. And yet it still touches an important place, though. We, we need to see it. We need to have it. Just when I wake up, I mean, for them to say that about waking up, because I wake up not very happy sometimes. And to laugh? Wake up and laugh together? Well, they, they hugged each other. I, I, don't, I guess I can just hug myself a little bit. And I went to a dermatologist the other day, and I swear she reached to touch me because they are doing skin you know and I pulled away so quick and then I realized how good it felt and then she just patted me and it just felt so good yeah, very and I made an appointment today with my regular doctor because she's like a mother to me mm -hmm. so anyway I'm just full of feelings <laughs> and, and there's it, a lot of sorrow and, about what's lost and being with is so important it is it is I can I, I see you, Sheila. I heard you. I hear you. I see you. And I saw you when I did that be with you at the beginning. Good, good. You're so like my sweet, wonderful father, because he was balding and sweet, sweet smile and eyes. I'm just so glad that this is the high point of my week every week. Well, take in all the nourishment you can from it. And I enjoy the little breakouts that we have at the end because that's some more contact thank yes. you yeah thank you thank you Sheila. Bye -bye. <laughs> hi sally hi how are you so it's good to lovely. see you it's been a while it's been quite a while and i'm i'm really happy to see you um i wanted to thank you for that poem Mm -hmm. And ask if, um, at your convenience, if you could forward that on to us, because yeah. I was really struck by, as you mentioned it as well, the heart like a shell 
can hear the sea because it was so visual and mm -hmm. allowed allowed time mm -hmm. in yeah. and time and distance sight and smell all of those things that um that are part of that nurture yes and the the imagery was so interesting to me because it was a bit inverted but yet it opened up something new yeah I'm going to check. I'm going to check with Bronwyn since it was an it's an unpublished poem and it was a personal gift to her. If it's okay to share, she said I could use it for my teaching, so I assume so. But well, I think I should ask permission. No, absolutely, ask permission. Mm -hmm. That's why I, you know, I'm. Yeah, I already had permission to use it in this way, so I assume that makes it more public. But well, it's just a gem, a little jewel that no one has seen much, you know. And that's why I'm asking is because as an artist. I'm going through this same period and it's um, after many transitions because I'm moving and everything else. It's like, where am I? Mm -hmm. And that touched a chord. Yeah. Yeah. It did that with mine me. touched a chord. That's, that's a thread out. Mm -hmm. It's a thread to something that I don't know where it's going. And those are the more important things. Right. And those are the ones to follow. Yeah. yeah. That's right. what I always call the golden thread, the golden line that leads you to what you don't know you need to know or you need to go through. And um, it, it struck and I thank you and I thank her for it. And uh, because I didn't catch the author's name, I didn't want to refer to it without a problem. Yeah, yeah John O'Donohue. Do you know the David White poem, Sometimes? No. Um, so look that up because, you know, John is using this, sometimes it's enough in this. And in that poem by David White, he talks about meeting questions that have been patiently waiting for you, questions that have no right to go away, that offer you tiny but frightening requests. Oh, and so that you'd like it. It's what you're experiencing. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. It's down and through. Yeah. Thank you. It's so great to see you. Great to see you. Take Be care. well. I love uh, that Sally said, uh, be well. These days it means something even more powerful, doesn't it? I'm sure there must be someone out there who's not raised their hand before, but has been waiting. Maybe they'd have the courage. So I'm encouraging you. <laughs> maybe someone who's not ever raised their hand in the past, or maybe you have. We have a few more minutes. I recognize that. <laughs> this time I'm here. Right, yeah. Hi, hi Flint. I'm just sitting here and just getting nourishment from this, just simply taking it in. Uh, Being with I, it all. What? Being with it all. Yeah, it's interesting how just the simple experience in itself is very full. Mm -hmm. um, I've had to just do a bit of a pivot here. My, my husband went up to the Boundary Waters and was going to be gone for 10 days. And a couple of days ago, I got a text. I made sure they have a texting phone before they went up there. And um, turns out that the person he went up with is um, his family. Uh, members tested positive and well they basically came down with COVID and um, 
So they had to turn around and oh, come back. And so from a week on my own, I now have a week with a quarantined loved one up on top <laughs> while I'm down here. And, uh, and, and really this whole thing about the continuum of relationships and the amount of actual contact um, and how you have to negotiate and navigate a new landscape of how you still get nourished and offer nourishment when it really is a shifting landscape. And yeah. uh, so I is have the opposite. Okay? Is Ken okay? He doesn't have any symptoms. Neither, neither of them have symptoms, but um, the other Ken was, the two Kens was um, very significantly exposed. So mm -hmm. his wife is ill. And so mm -hmm. we will see. It's, it's one of those, um, the thing you've been not wanting um, yeah. is at least sitting at, at the threshold and yeah. kind of, um, you know, reminding, reminding me and us of the fact that while we, we have been very thoughtful about our conduct, it, there's there's a finite amount of that that you can right. you can exercise it's, it sneaks so, up in the corner <clears throat> yeah yeah and it's interesting for me being jewish and celebrating now the the high holidays and i actually just went down to urbana and had the opposite experience of being with my daughter and her partner like in a hugging mode <laughs> which oh. is really i mean it's almost unimaginable and how how raw it is, is, is really surprising every time. So coming back from that to a household with a partner up top who I can, I actually call him on the phone. Um, it's easiest. So, and, and put dishes with good food on the steps and, you know, just hope that, you know, putting out the, some goodness. So thank you for feeding me so that I can feed forward. Uh, that's, that's needed. I, I feel it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's, I really wanted to, to say thank you from the shell of my heart that here's the ocean. <laughs> yes. Right. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Some of these things that we take for granted, like a simple hug. I like if I use the word raw, because suddenly we remember the incredible power of something that seems so ordinary, but, but it's always that powerful if we pay attention and we notice and we wake to it. Hi, Judy. You're still muted there. Let's see. There yeah. you go. Um, uh, well, you said some things that I just kind of wanted to share my own experience, strength and hope. Mm -hmm. uh, the word that stood out to me when at the beginning was you said the unimaginable. Mm -hmm. And I remember 10 years ago when my son died unexpectedly, you said those words, mm -hmm. the unimaginable has happened to you. And you also said to me, and Peg said to me, your healing, your silence will be the most healing thing you can do. And um, I was so broken, as I know, so we are all so broken right now that I was willing to do what you suggested I do. Including my statement, and we can't, you can't do it alone. Right. Exactly. And I, and I have not done it alone, and I don't do it alone now. And um, 
So what I want to say is that um, I continue to do that. And so I have experienced a lot in the last seven months of the same sort of, uh, I don't know if you want to call them feelings or uh, trauma, I don't know what exact word, but I've experienced a lot of the same sort of grief yeah. that I experienced then. Mm-hmm. So I want to say to everybody, it's okay to cry. It's okay to lay there and not know what you're going to do next or not even have a plan. And I had to learn that through people like you and other teachers that said, you just need to do what you feel like you can do right now. Mm -hmm. And through these 10 years, um, I've learned that while yes, the presence of other people is very important to me and the touch. And, I, and there's so much of that I miss, particularly with my own grandchildren. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, my silence has brought a different dimension of closeness to me. Yeah. So that even when I'm not with those people in my silence, I am with them. Well, that's and, precisely why I wanted to make sure that I spoke about both sides. Each is right. necessary, but not sufficient. And, and that O'Donohue said, sometimes, sometimes, just being is enough. Just being and just yeah. doing what you can do in any given moment. Uh, I wish I could really give what I've been given through doing my practice devotedly because I had no place else to go. And... Uh, and, and encouraging everyone to know that we are all doing this together and that we are all holding each other, even though we're not physically holding each other. Yeah, and as you pour out that care and concern, as you said, your faith and hope, and even if it's not as close connected, it's still the practice to do. Right. Yeah. So I encourage all of you, you are not alone. We are all here together all the time. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Judy. And I see that we're right at the end of our time. So um, uh, I think we'll do our final chant together now, uh, the four practice principles. <clears throat> and thank you for all of the people who've shown up today that have expressed both the importance of the silence and stillness and the importance of the connection and um, um, nourishment that comes through that and that our being with provide the two sides. If you look at the image of Apamata that you see on the screen, the kanji, you see that roof, these two things that provide the shelter. And in the middle, that's a shin or the heart and mind with a little bit, little bit more in it there. So this is what shelters our heart and mind is our practice. So we chant, caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. 
each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way. And I hope that some of you will enjoy um, as you leave this meeting, linking to the next uh, meeting that follows uh, so that you can hang out and be with each other. Thank you very much. And I'm sure that uh, Jessica will come back on it now. Appamata's programs and facilities are supported by your generosity and your generosity and support make such a huge difference. You can find a link for contributions to both Appamata and the teachers on the website at appamata.org. Thank you. Oh, and if you want to uh, come to the after inquiry, you can find the link on the calendar right now. <laughs>